All right, uh, get your Bibles out, and I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. I want to suggest a premise to you today. The premise is about your own life and what makes it meaningful. The premise looks like this. Life will never be fulfilling until you are part of a group that's making a difference. Life will never truly be fulfilling until we belong to a group that's making a difference. And I think this is true as humans, humanity, the way we're wired. We're wired for being part of a group, making a difference. But there are, there are problems. Sometimes you're just in a group and you're not making a difference. Other times you're trying to make a difference, but you're not in a group. Think about families, all right? There are families that are healthy, right? Families are the most a natural and native group to humanity, right? So in your family, you are either making a difference, but for dysfunctional families or families that actually hurt one another, right? They're still part of the group, but it's not good for them. They're not making a, a real difference in people's lives or the difference that they're making is damaging. You know, if we look at the... If we look at the military, the American military is an impressive group of volunteer force, you know, and historically, all right, regardless of the controversy of the last uh, few decades, but the, historically, the American military has been the kind of group that is, in, that is bonded together as a group and is fighting for the freedom of others. That's unique in the world. Most armies fight to control and to create dominance, our military has historically fought for people's freedoms. And that's a unique idea. People often in the church, right, they, there's an individualistic kind of culture we live in. And so, so we find people that sometimes are part of a group, but they're not making a difference. And other people that are really interested in making a difference, but not part of a group. And here's, here's how it works. You might say, I'm in a group. But they're not making a difference in other people's lives. They're enjoying belonging to a group but there's no forward movement or dynamic change. As a result, they, become, they begin to be self-absorbed, self-focused, inward-focused. They begin to grow inwardly as a group. They become exclusive and protective of their group. We don't want anybody else to join this group because we like it just the way it is. The, the motto for this group is us four and no more. <laughs> Other people... Uh, are really trying to make a difference, but often they're doing it alone. They really have passion. They're doing good work. They often, they often are, are, are driven to accomplish something because they're, they're so, their hearts are so in tune with this need and they're trying to make a difference. But they do it alone and often they burn out because they're doing it alone. They become... They, have, they, they get a martyr mentality. You know, it's just me. I'm trying to do this. And as they, as they burn out, they become judgmental of others and angry because others aren't helping them because they're alone. Their motto is, I'm the only one who's really committed. You ever know anybody like that? You might have actually said those words at one point. What I want to submit to you is that Life becomes really fulfilling when you're part of a group and making a difference. When there's real change happening in people's lives and you're part of that and you, and you connect to that. 
in the Bible, we see some analogies about how God's people are formed. Uh, one analogy would be the family, right? This, this very basic uh, uh, orientation to grouping together. But we see it across the narrative of the, the scriptures, all across through the Old Testament and the New Testament, the family. Psalm 68, 6. You know what it says? It says, God sets the lonely in families. It says he's a father to the fatherless. Jesus tells Nicodemus in John 3 that we, we must be born again. We're birthed into something. This is, there's a family of believers here. That's how we see our church in large part is through this prism, this filter of, of family. And we believe that, that it's a, both a privilege and a responsibility that... Um, <laughs> When, when you have kids in your family, you know, and, and you, want, uh, you want them to have chores, we, we call the ones that don't have chores, we call them spoiled. Spoiled, for those of you from the South. Spoiled. <laughs> and, and, and I think for church, right, for church, uh, Sunday morning is kind of like inviting people over for dinner. Right? It's, like, it's like inviting people over for dinner. What do you do when you invite people over for dinner? You clean up. Right? You clean the house, you clean the bathrooms. Why do you do that? Because right? you don't want people to see how you really live. <laughs> so Sunday morning's kind of like that. It's like we're inviting people over. There's no reason for them to see dirty laundry on their first day. But very quickly, if they're going to be part of the family, they've they got to they gotta, they gotta see what's behind the milk in the refrigerator. <laughs> Another analogy would be the building a building. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, you are God's building. He's building you. Peter talks about it in his letter. He says, he says you are living stones that are being built together, a dwelling place for God. The third idea would be a body, which we'll talk about today. A body, 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to jump off there, and we're going to read through a long section of Scripture. So I want you to stay with me. I put it in your message notes so you can read it along with me, and you can see the words. All right, here it is. The human body has many parts, is what Paul says, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. I just pause right here for a second. In the first century church, Jesus was being revealed to people as the Savior and Messiah. And the Holy Spirit was active and, and awakening people to who God was, who God really is. And it was happening across the spectrum of society. So there were rich people, there were poor people, there were people who, were, who, who had historically been chosen as God's people, the Jews, and then there was all these people who the Jews thought were pagans, Gentiles, people who were not chosen. This created a major problem. Make no mistake, wherever two or three are gathered, there's more than one opinion. It is a miracle when a diverse group of people come together and choose to be unified. Right. It's a miracle. Our namesake is one chapel, comes from John 17, where Jesus prayed, Father, make them one like we are one. But he gave a reason for it. He didn't just say, because unity is so nice and people just need to get along. 
he said there's a reason for it. And the reason goes like this. He says, so that the world would believe that you sent me. Listen, people of God, family, we are supposed to be offering an alternative to the angry, disconnected, frustrating existence of the world trying to belong, trying to find their place, trying to find their way, the, the uh, incredible, ide- uh, uh, unrealistic sort of individualism that, that goes on all around us. We, ha- we live in a country that's based on our individual rights, right? And that's, that's a good thing. But somehow in our process, in our journey, uh, in, our, in our culture, it has become this first filter for everything. And so we hesitate to speak into other people's lives and we hesitate to let them speak into our lives. We don't think we have permission because they have a right to do whatever they want to do and and we have a right to live our lives the way we want to live them. The the truth is, statistically speaking, statistically speaking, there has uh, scientific studies of all kinds over the last many years showing us that people who are isolated and alone are often the most unhealthy. They live shorter lives. They have a lower quality of life. But people who have relationships that are meaningful and fruitful, they end up, their bodies end up being healthy. They end up living longer. There's something that is beneficial. We are designed to live with one another, all right? But, but there's a miracle here when we are a diverse group of people and we come together. This was what was happening in the first century church and it's what's happening here today at One Chapel and other churches across our city. Look at what verse 14 says. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says I am the part of the body, I am not a part of the body because I am not the hand. That does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, (laughs) would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? (laughs) I love that. How would you smell anything? You ever seen those commercials with the big nose, like feet and legs, walking around trying to get some relief? (laughs) People are like that. They're like, I just want to be the nose. I just want to be the eye. I don't like, I don't, I don't want to be the feet. I don't want people standing on me all day. Paul says it doesn't matter. You're connected. There's a, there's, you're, you're part of something bigger than yourself. Verse 18, but our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. Just where he wants it. Often we're frustrated or irritated about our place. But if you will acknowledge that Jesus is the one who wants to put you where, just where he wants you, you'll find a, a, a place of fulfillment. Sometimes it's not the place you would have chosen, but it is a place of fulfillment nonetheless. Verse 19, how strange a body would it be if only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. And the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. 
In other words, we, we get confused about this. What, what parts are really important, which parts aren't? So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So, but God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. The stuff that's really important, he kind of hides it. And, and verse 25 says, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together, everybody say together. together. Say it one more time. Together. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is part of it. Our Christian faith cannot be practiced as an isolated individual spirituality. Often we try to practice it this way, but it doesn't work. The only way the, the faith of God's people can be practiced is in the environment of community. So I want to I give you a, three things, just three things real quick that I want you to think about before you go upstairs and meet a bunch of people and, and, and see if there's a group that you can connect to. All right, number one, we're going to talk about a healthy body. A healthy body is active. A healthy body is active. I was just yesterday jumping on my kids' brand new trampoline that they got for Christmas from their grandma. So I got on the trampoline. They were like, Dad, you got to come out and jump on the trampoline. And, and, and when we got it, you know, I, I've jumped a few times, but it has been a long time historically in my life. When I was a younger man, uh, a, a kid, I jumped on the trampoline a lot and I could do, you know, I could do flips and like one and a halfs and different things like that, backflips. It was amazing. I, I was amazing. <laughs> Not what I meant, but whatever. Um, so, so, so the little guys are on the trampoline. Come on, Dad. And I go out there and I start jumping and I'm jumping for, and I, I can just feel all the parts of my body like like moving around inside my body like something is wrong with this picture it's not right like all my organs are like moving and stuff I'm like oh I feel kind of sick and so I just I, I kind of because because really uh, it's because I haven't really been active enough it's really true it's really true because I haven't been active enough. And so my, my son, Ethan, he's like, Dad, do a flip. It's <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. I, and so I, so I was like, okay, I'm going to try this. I mean, and and I, I couldn't do a whole flip because the first, I tried, I tried it one time. I'm like, I spun around. I kind of landed on, on, my, on my bum. And suddenly, my, everything was so dizzy, I could not even stand up. <laughs> Because my brain had been like spun around. It's like, what is happening to my body? I am becoming an old man. So I'm committed. I'm committed personally to being more active. But here's, here, here's what I want you to see. Exercise and movement are required for a healthy body. I want you to think about this. Blood flowing through our body. Muscles working together. We need to... We can't be sitting around on our proverbial spiritual couch, right, as God's people eating Cheetos and Twinkies. There's, we've got to be active. And I want you to think about this. What does it mean to be active? It means, it means we need to be active in sharing our faith. It means we need to be active in interacting with other people 
We need to be active by using the gifts that God gave us to serve people. And I want to highlight this idea for you. I want to highlight that the way that your body, as you become active, the way it deals with itself is through something called resistance training. Resistance, right? So, so when you're jumping on the trampoline, you get a little help from gravity, right, because of the spring of the, of the thing. But everything in, in, in gravity, even when you're, when you're doing push-ups, right, when you're doing any kind of uh, exercise with your body, you're, you're creating resistance for your muscles to work hard. When you prepare to run, you create resistance. You're creating more, more and more uh, resistance to sort of your muscles, and they're beginning to be fir- more firm, more engaged, more connected, <laughs> more stabilized inside. This is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 24. He says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Don't just, don't just saunter along. Run to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Ooh, strict training. Say those two words with me. Strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it. We do what? We, we do strict training. Some of you are like, what? 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 What's strict training? I don't know about this. There is, a, there is a spiritual discipline that I think has to do with being in community with people that creates resistance with what we just want ourselves. Having our own way. Doing whatever we want. Being in community creates a certain amount of resistance training that is healthy for you and for me. It's active. We're active with one another. He says, verse 26, therefore I do not run like someone running aimlessly. In other words, I'm, I'm not just running whenever I want to. I'm not running aimlessly uh, wherever I want to. I'm actually on a course and I'm, I'm in a certain amount of strict training. He says, I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I find that in our individualistic society, sometimes we refuse the resistance training that Jesus himself is offering us. That we're embarrassed to share our faith or we're afraid to do it. We're not strong because we've just been going aimlessly. We're not intentional. And, and I think this idea of resistance training, and some people are like, I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know if I can handle these people. I don't know if I can. Look, we're not just talking about a body. We're talking about the body of Christ. Okay, if, if you belong to the body of Christ, guess what the Bible says about you? You're more than a conqueror. If you're part of the body of Christ, then that means you can never be separated from the love of Christ. If you're part of the body of Christ, you're connected to the head. Paul talks about in Colossians, he says, he says there's, there's these people and they just get overly spiritual and they lose connection to the head. <laughs> Headless bodies running around trying to be spiritual. What, what we have to do is connect to Jesus and we have to connect to one another. And when we're active in this way, we begin to be healthy. You don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. Don't, don't, don't sort of uh, push away from the trouble or the struggle that happens when you belong to a community. 
as I said before, it's a miracle when people begin to work together, right? There's something really beautiful. In it. And the reason it's so miraculous, it's the body of Christ working in us. We belong to him. We have power that is not from ourselves, but you have to be connected to him. Number two, a healthy body is protective. A healthy body is, is one that never injures itself on purpose. And in fact, it always, it always reacts to something that is, that is happening to it. So I was cleaning in the yard the other day, and uh, dirt flew up into my eyes, and, and what happened? My eyelids, immediately, immediately my eyes shut. I didn't, I didn't control that with my brain. It just immediately was an automatic response. And, and, and we have involuntary reflexes within our bodies, and when something comes at us, we naturally defend. Sometimes the body turns on itself, right? Cells get sick. Cancer begins to, and, and what we're trying to do when we're treating, when modern medicine is treating cancer cells or something, we're trying to stimulate and motivate the rest of the body, trying to kill the bad cells and motivate the rest of the body to, to be healthy and to stimulate those good cells to reproduce and to take over and to resist the unhealthy cells. We are the body of Christ and we must care for one another as an automatic response. We have to be vigilant and diligent to care for each other. This is what makes us healthy. Jesus said, they will know that you're my disciples if you love each other. There's something about our community that we are supposed to offer as an alternative to people who don't know Jesus. There's something attractive about it. It's the care we have for each other. And the way we do this is we speak the truth in love. Look at Ephesians 4. It says, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. There's two things that are necessary for a healthy, mature body, and it is truth and love. Some churches, they focus on the truth at the expense of love. And here it is. I'm going to give you some truth. Here's some truth. I'm going to wind up really hard, and I'm going to give you the truth. Here it comes. <laughs> truth without love actually creates meanness and legalism. Focused on law. If you go the other way and you just, oh, man, we just love you. It's, it's okay. We love, we love everything. It's no big deal what's happening in your life. We just love you. But they never get around to telling the truth. Right? So love at the expense of truth creates weak and immature believers. Right? So, so you've got, so you got, you got truth and love together, working together to protect the body. Listen, I'm, going, I'm getting ready to go to a, a, a prayer, a pastor's prayer gathering. We're going to spend 24 hours. There's going to be 150 pastors from Austin all hanging out together at Camp Buckner up here in Marble Falls. And we're going to go for a, a, a whole day and we're going to pray together for our city. At one chapel, we don't criticize other churches because they're part of the body of Christ. Right? right? We, 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 as pastors, we care for one another. And we're trying to model something that we want across the board in our city because, because something happens when people are unified. Something miraculous in the body of Christ. We become protective. Look, no one needs to suffer from their greatest weakness because we can all benefit from the strengths of others. 
Now think about this. So if there's people, we're speaking the truth in love, somebody up there in that second story, who's or second floor up here after service, you're going to walk through and look at those tables and look at the different groups, and somebody up there is going to know exactly what you're going through because they've been there themselves. Yeah. Somebody up there is going to have strength that you don't have. Wherever you're weak right now, somebody's going to have strength. They're, they're, what Jesus has designed is a body that is completely self-sufficient. And some of you, some of us, feel bad when we're not good at everything. Overachievers. I wish I was better. I need to be better. And we keep guilt on ourselves and we beat ourselves over the head. We want to be. God didn't design you. God never designed you and me to be good at everything. He designed us to need one another. He designed us to belong to a body where other people will speak into our lives and help us and where we can speak into their lives and help them. Last point, a healthy body is selective. Selective. A healthy body is selective about what goes in it. What goes inside of it? What is the fuel that you're putting inside? Sometimes as Christians, we just want fast spiritual fast food all the time. Right? You guys already believe this. You guys already know that what you put in. Now, look, the body, was, the body, the human body was built to process poison. It was. You can process a certain amount of poison. You just can't process it when it's really potent or when you keep putting it in over a long period of time. That's why you can't, you can't, eat, the, you can't eat bad stuff for a long period of time and expect to keep living. <laughs> you, can, you can eat bad stuff for a short period of time and, and, and your body will kind of process it and work through it. All right, because your body's created to do that, to, to process that. But you have to be selective about the food that goes in you. Fast food versus slow food. If you're always trying to get the food done fast, that's not healthy for you. Slow food is the most healthy for you. Food that has to be prepared, food that has to be cooked, food that has to, 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 to go through a, a bit of a process, food that has to be grown, and it actually has an organic quality to it. It takes a long time to grow food, you know? I know that's a shocking concept to most of you who think it's just, it shows up on the shelves in the grocery store. But there's something about slow food that's so important. Here's what happens to the body of Christ. I don't have time to be in a group. You know, my life's moving so fast. I just, I, I, I gotta just, you know, you swing into church on 2.3 times a month on Sunday. That's the national average. And you swing in and you're like, yeah, I get about 30 minutes of Pastor Ross and I'm good. It's not enough. I mean, it's good. But I'm, but I'm saying, but what I'm saying is it's not enough. You treat it like you're just trying to get it quick. You're just trying to get something into you quickly. And it requires more preparation. It requires more percolating. It requires more interaction with other people because there's something so important about a healthy body and what goes inside of it and it requires time and it requires attention. John 6, 27 says, do not work for food that spoils but for food that endures to eternal life. In that same passage, Jesus says, I have food. He tells his disciples, I have food that you know nothing about. He was talking about his relationship with Jesus but here's, here's the thing. We have to take time to eat good food, and that happens in community. That happens with others, and it happens best with others. 
And so I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to think about slowing your life down. Begin to, to, to realize, okay, I'm going to have to take time and energy to invest in my spiritual life. And that's going to have to happen with others. Right? I want you to put your stuff down and close your eyes, bow your head. We're going to come to the Lord's table. And And in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul, it's just before 1 Corinthians 12 where we've been reading, and he's coaching them on how to have communion together. Now listen, listen to me. He's coaching them on how to have communion together, and, and I want you to get this. I want you to get this right here at the end. Because he's saying, you're mistreating one another when you come to worship together. And you come and, and you receive communion. Here, go ahead, Kaylin. You come and you mistreat one another and you're not taking care of each other and you're not, you're not working together. And, and I want you to see what he says here in 1 Corinthians 11. He says, so anyone who eats the bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. And that is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For years when I was a kid, I, I thought this meant just looking at yourself for sin. The context of it is examine yourself and how you treat one another. Right. Examine yourself and see how you interact with each other. And it may, there may be sin there. That, there's nothing wrong with that, with using that as what he's saying there. There's nothing wrong with examining our own hearts, but the context is look at how you interact with the body. He says, for if you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. Think about that. He's saying some people have even died because of their mistreatment of each other, because of maybe their isolation and the statistics I mentioned earlier about living alone. There's a, there's a thing that happens to us. We get unhealthy. Verse 31 says, but if we would examine ourselves, we wouldn't be judged by God in this way. So my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. If you're really hungry, eat at home so you won't bring judgment upon yourselves when you meet together. Here's what was happening. They were all mistreating one another and rushing and eating everything they wanted. It'd be like if one of you just pushed your way to the front and started eating all the bread. And by the way, this bread is good way better than those little pop tops we were using for a long time. There's something about this bread. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to, th I want you to think about this bread representing the body of Christ. And then I want you to make the mental leap to you being the body of Christ. That we are the body. His broken body made it so that we could be the whole body of Christ the healed body of Christ, the powerful body of Christ. And I want you to consider forgiving, forgiving someone who's hurt you. I want you to think about whether or not there's a need for you to let, let them off the hook because you've been too hard on them. I want you to think about being willing to repent of your own selfishness your own pride, your own individuality. And make a commitment today to loving deeply, loving tangibly, loving intentionally. For Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took 
bread and after he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body. I want you to do this in remembrance of me. And then the same way he took the cup and after he'd blessed it, given thanks, he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. And I want you to drink it and whenever you do, remember me. Paul said, for as long as you eat this bread, whenever you drink this bread, or drink this cup, eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We are proclaiming that we belong to a miracle. We belong to a body that is healed and whole. And he wants that for you and for me. So we're going to come, I'm going to have you stand up and you're going to come row by row. And we're going to go through and we're going to take the bread and then you dip it in the cup. And I want you to consider how you can be part of the body of Christ. To forgive one another, to love one another, and to be connected to one another. All right? Father, thank you for what you're teaching us, what you're sharing with us, what you're showing us. Now give us your wisdom and your grace as we receive of your body. In Jesus' name. Amen.